May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. I don't know if you remember that pop song, um, maybe a year back, two years, I don't remember, called The Lazy Song. Anybody remember this one? Um, Today I don't feel like doing anything. I just want to lay in my bed, don't feel like picking up my phone, so... Leave a message at the tone, because today I'm not going to do anything. You ever, if you heard this one, uh, there's a, the next line goes something like this. Um, I'll be lounging on the couch, just chilling in my Snuggie, flip on MTV so they can teach me how to Dougie. I have no idea what that means. Um, but I like the sentiment, you know, today I'm not going to do anything. You know, I'm just going to lay in my bed. I'm going I'm to do uh, whatever doing the Dougie is. I, I don't think it's like any heavy lifting at all. I think, it, I think you're pretty safe with this one. Um, and sort of with the exception of perhaps the most industrious among us, um, I think that everybody likes a lazy day every now and then. You know, no plans, no chores, no expectations, just kind of, um, you know, a nice change of pace where you don't have to do anything, no plans. And, and sometimes you'll get a day like that between, like, Christmas and New Year, you know. Or, or maybe there's a, a day in the summertime where you're on vacation, you know, like, you know, everybody's got something to do and you, you kind of get to hang out by the beach, you know. Or or um, maybe you're out on a ski trip and you break your leg and they're all gone and you're left by yourself. You know, there's there's times, whether it's by choice or by design, where you get those great days where you, you don't have to do anything. I can do anything at all. But, of course, doing nothing doesn't actually mean doing nothing. And that would be awful, wouldn't it, if you had to, like, do nothing. You know, like somebody who's, like, in a body cast, and they can do nothing. That would be, that would be dreadful. Doing nothing is, is a good, there's a good kind of doing nothing, where you, where you don't have to do anything. You know, you get to do what you, it, it's, it's a day in the hammock, right? Or at the park, or, or on the couch, or riding your motorcycle, which is a really good day. Or, you know, doing the sort of things that you want to do, where you get to set the agenda, Sometimes doing nothing can be exhausting. I mean, a friend calls you up and says, you know, hey, um, we got a softball tournament. We need one more person, you know. And you're like, oh, i got all this work to do or whatever. Oh, you know, I'll go. And, and you go play softball all day, you know. And at the end of the day, you've done nothing, but you're exhausted and you're tired. You get to pick the agenda. You get to set the parameters for the day. It's all you. Um, it's wonderful that when that happens, but here's what happens when, when you expect someone to do something and they do nothing, it gets really frustrating, isn't it? I mean, imagine you're the boss or the school teacher or whoever, and you're like, I need this thing done by 5 o'clock, and you see them at 5 o'clock, and that thing's not done. You know, then it's really frustrating. Um, none of your children, maybe mine, a couple of children I've heard have done this. Um, you know, a parent is on their way out on, say, a summer day, and they say to their kids, you know, like, okay, listen, we're having company tonight. So I want, I want the dishes done, I want the trash out, family room cleaned up, none of that mess, beds made, grass cut. These are the sort of things I want done when I get home. And you drive around the corner, and the front yard looks like the Serengeti. You know, and you know what's going to happen when you walk through that front door. You know, it's going to be like, oh, nothing. What did you do all day? Did you do nothing? Well, no, I, I did something, just not the thing that you wanted me to do. You know, I was doing something else. In the Old Testament, there's this lesson from Isaiah that was in the bulletin today. And it's, it's kind of weird because we get dropped in at the end of a really long section from Isaiah. 
He's, um, I say as a preacher, he's a prophet, and he's, um, he's writing this, but this was once probably a really long sermon. Um, and, and he's writing this part of this really long sermon, and he sent it to Israel. And like Isaiah often does, if you read the whole thing, it kind of moves back and forth between two different realities. On the one hand, he's saying, God is really upset with Israel, and there's going to be a lot of payment to come. There's going to be judgment that's going to come on Israel, and it's going to be kind of ugly. It's going to be, um, it's going to be violent. It's going to be destructive. Houses are going to be destroyed. Nations are going to be destroyed. But on the other end, there's going to be a really good thing that happens, and God's going to bring everything back together and make it all good again, and it's going to all be set right. Most of the time, the preachers in Israel made these, like Isaiah and others, they were either ignored or silenced. <laughs> and Isaiah says, you know, you can ignore me. You can try to not pay attention to this, but it's not going to go away. This is what's going to happen. Babylon is coming in, and they're going to lay waste to Zion, Jerusalem, the city of of God's people. It's going to happen. In fact, in 587, it actually does happen. 587 B.C., Babylon invades uh, Israel, invades Jerusalem, and just totally destroys the city. Burns the temple to the ground, um, upends homes, everything, and actually takes people into exile. And they're they're removed from their home and moved 500 miles away into another country and where they have to live. But if you hear this message, you would have to think to yourself as an ancient Israelite, well, so what's going to happen? I mean, what's going to happen to God's plan? He had a big plan to like put the whole world back together and make it right. And he was going to use this family, this family of Abraham. And if they're all gone and destroyed, well, what's going to happen to the plan? And that's a really good question. And Isaiah answers that question in his really long sermon in this really long section that we get the end of. There's a person coming. Isaiah calls him the Lord's anointed. In Hebrew, it kind of sounds like this, Mashiach, which we say in English, a Messiah. A Messiah's coming, and he's going to put things back together. Things that got all messed up and broken, that this Messiah, this anointed one, is going to put things back together. And so it happens, just like Isaiah says. Babylon comes in, destroys the place, and they are, are utterly destroyed. They actually do get to move home after a while, but when they get home, the walls are torn down, the city, the houses are all burnt and gone. There are people living in the few homes that are, are, are left, and the temple's gone. It's sadness and despair. And it goes up and down for many, many years after that. And you know, of course, Christ comes and, and the institution of the church, and it looks like, well, things are starting to come back together. Here's what we have. We have people actually literally streaming into Jerusalem. Because they want to follow Jesus. People starting to come from all over the world, from every tribe and nation. I mean, if you just took a little look around here, we have all sorts of different ethnicities and backgrounds here. That we are a visible manifestation of what Isaiah said would happen. That people from all over the planet would start coming to the faith of Israel. They'll start becoming part of the family of Abraham. But you know, because you're already way ahead of me, that there's still one big problem. We still have lots of evil in the world. What would happen if we none of us had locks on our doors? Or if the police all of a sudden decided all over the place that we're not going to work anymore? What would happen in this world? It would be a terrifying place to live. And so what happens to Isaiah's words? I mean, what's going to happen? What is the Lord's anointed doing right now? 
Okay, so all of that is sort of background. Pull out your bulletin. Will you look at it with me? A lot of background, I know. But look at this Old Testament lesson. I want you to see just the very beginning of it. We don't know who's speaking. Some say it's the prophet Isaiah, but I think the Lord's anointed is speaking. It's the Messiah who's speaking in 62.1, the very first verse. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet. The Messiah is saying, I'm not going to stop being, I'm not going to stop speaking. I'm not going to keep talking. I'm not going to be quiet. Um, we have four sons. When, um, when there was a time where we had like a two-year-old and an 11-year-old and two in between there, it was a bit of chaos in our house, I'm just going to tell you, you know. And, and we would load up into sort of a minivan and go somewhere, and Dad would turn up the radio because it was just really too crazy, you know, and he would turn it up a little more, and the voices in the back would get a little louder, and he would turn it up a little more, and, and the mom would say, why in the world are you turning the radio up so loud? I can't hear anything. And, and kids are screaming in the background. And then the littlest ones would realize that the only way that they would ever be heard is if they screamed over the top of their lungs because nobody else was paying attention to them. And you'd get something like, Mom, I have to pee! You know, real loud. And um, and we would have to oh, pull over. I'm sorry, am I allowed to say pee? I think I am. Anyway, and we would we would pull over and, you know, have to... The, the, the squeakiest will gets the grease, right? The noisiest one who makes the most kind of commotion would speak up. The Lord's anointed said, I'm not going to keep silent. I'm not going to be quiet. Look at the very next verse, or the very next sentence, I mean, in that same verse. I will not keep be quiet. Look, verse 2, I'm sorry, verse 1, until... Until her righteousness goes forth as brightness, until her salvation is a burning torch, until the nations shall see her righteousness, the kings her glory. When will the Lord's anointed be quiet? When everything that God has promised begins to take place. When when everything that God had promised about putting the world back to right comes to be. Um... The Lord's anointed has already begun these things, right? I mean, look around the world. What do you see in the world? You see lots of evil, lots of problems, lots of difficulties, right? But who do you see taking care of the poorest of the poor? You see the church at work in the world. Who do you see that's taking care of the sick in the world? It's always been the church in the world. It's always been the church that's instituted hospitals and orphanages and and schools and who has... You know, brought medicine to sick people and, and clean drinking water to people. This is the, the work of the church in the world. And people recognize it. Even leaders, world leaders, recognize the work of the church in the world. I was reading just, just this morning about this um, or, uh, interview that a, a child did with, um, with President Obama. And, and she asked him quite cleverly, I think, what's in your pockets? <laughs> and he's kind of stunned, like, are you really asking me what's in my pockets? And, 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 you know, he just reached in and he, like, pulled out some things. And one of the things he pulled out was a rosary that Pope Francis had given him. The church is witnessing into, uh, to, uh, to all its the highest levels of power in the world. The, the, the most powerful person in the free world is carrying around in his pocket a cross given to him by a, a Christian leader. Exactly what, what Isaiah said would happen is happening. But, of course, it's not done, is it? 
It's already, but it's not yet. I want to read a passage to you from from, um, St. Paul's letter to the Romans. He says this. um, He says, The Spirit helps our weaknesses, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us. If you flipped over a page and got to the end of, of the same chapter, he, he, Paul asked the question, What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine, nakedness, danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Christ is interceding for us. The Holy Spirit is interceding for us. This is what Paul says. This is what Isaiah says. I will not keep silent. And so in some ways, the already is here, isn't it? Right now, today, we can have peace inside, internally, peace with God. Know that God loves us, that we belong to him and he to us. As St. Paul calls this also the witness of the Holy Spirit, that God's spirit will witness to our spirit that we belong to him and have this assurance, this awareness that we belong to him. And then there's the not yet. And yet there's still problems in the world. There's still difficulties. There's still a constant um, struggle with evil. The Spirit's at work. We can have this right now. We can see it in the world. And yet there's still more to come. And until it all comes, we know this, that Christ continues to intercede for us and for the world. You know, some days it's really good to do nothing. Right? (laughs) It's really good to do nothing. But there's something better. You know how a day comes and you didn't expect it and you come home and, and, and something's right. Like you hadn't expected it to be. Somebody made you a special dinner. You come home from school and, and, and mom made the best kind of dessert or cookies or something like that. And you hadn't expected it and there they are. You know, parents come home and the home's clean. And you think, um, you know, something really has happened. You know, that we've hired a maid. I don't know what happened. Something is right. You come home and something you hadn't expected happens. I think sometimes we might ask, what is Christ doing in the world? What is he doing? Like right now, are you doing nothing? Do you not see? And I think someday we might find out that all along he had been interceding for us. And that made all the difference. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.